Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nations Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief here at NRN, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week, I'm talking with Natalia Franco, the Chief Marketing Officer for Church's Texas Chicken. This iconic chain is now over 70 years old, but it's in the midst of a pretty major brand turnaround, and Natalia was recently brought in by CEO. Joe Guth to help lead those efforts on the marketing front. Natalia has been a part of other uh, brand turnarounds in the restaurant industry, including at McAllister's Deli, California Pizza Kitchen, and Burger King. And she joined the the podcast to talk about the uh, essential building blocks to reviving a brand and what a modern marketing mix should look like. In this conversation, you will learn more about how your marketing suffers when you lose track of who you are, how long you should expect a brand turnaround to take, and why the best brands respond to their customers, not their competitors. Jumping now into my interview with Church's CMO, Natalia Franco. Also, don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my six takeaways from this discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. Okay, I'm here with Natalia Franco, the Chief Marketing Officer for Church's Texas Chicken. Natalia, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sam. So, Natalia, we're going to be talking about um, your efforts to really sort of revamp, rejuvenate the church's brand, having come over um, not all that long ago. Uh, But I want to start really with your career. You've been in restaurant marketing um, for a little while now, and you've been with several brands. Tell me about your interest in restaurant marketing and why this industry really resonates with you. Um, Well, you know, Sam, I started, it's probably 30 plus years ago. I started in the CPG world, so consumer products initially with Unilever and then, you know, other brands, Pillsbury, General Mills. And uh, then I joined Coca-Cola. And when I joined Coca-Cola, I, that was really my first immersion in the restaurant business because I was in McDonald's. And I loved it. I mean, I mean, I had an international career. I kind of like started different to everybody. Mm-hmm in the sense that people starting like the U.S. domestic, they, they go international. And in my case, it was the opposite. You know, I was really an international marketer and ended up being in the U.S. for the General Mills brand. They moved me to domestic, and that's where, you know, two years became 26 plus, whatever, that I've been here mm-hmm. doing uh, domestic businesses and uh, international. But really, my restaurant career started where I joined Coca-Cola because mm. I was the worldwide marketing innovation slash advertising global person for the McDonald's division that reported into the, the global, you know, CEO. And I loved it. And since then, I mean, it's been, I think, like 19 years now that I've been in the restaurant businesses doing different brands. But what I would say my trade has been brand turnaround, Mm -hmm. like brands that have been struggling and then, you know, finding the core of the brand, the right consumer, understanding the core essence of these brands, and then finding a way and executing a plan to turn them around. Mm -hmm. And it seems that I still, I'm still doing it and loving it. Even even if I want to go away from it, I'm brought back and, you know, do it again. So 
yeah, so that's been the story. Oh, it's a good specialty. There's always brands that need turnarounds. So uh, you're, you're in a good place to be. Uh, taking a step back really quick, though, you know, that that uh, aspect of you being international and then coming to US, I, I'm curious how you feel like that's shaped your perspective on marketing. What do you feel like is distinct about that perspective of, you know, starting internationally and then coming to the US? Well, you know what? I mean, it happened because life happens. It was never a purpose. It was never, I mean, I've always loved what I've done. And since I was like 14 years old, I remember saying like, one day I'm going to be a global CMO and I've done it five times. So I feel that I have accomplished my dream so many times. And it is not that there's a difference because I would say from a marketing perspective, and I mean, it's 30 years, right? So the principles don't change. What has changed are the channels of communication with consumers mm-hmm. and then how do you develop a strategy and adapt to all of those channels because you want to be where consumers are and and right now with digital and, and you know like a, like anybody has at least you know four screens going on at the same time between your cell phone your computer your tablet or maybe two <laughs> screens on your computer like <laughs> yeah, I, same. you know it's like it's just changed it's changed and then delivery off-premise digital ordering, then COVID came and really changed the world. And so it's, it's a very different time in terms of the channels and the platforms of communication with your consumers. Mm-hmm. But the principles of, of you know, understanding your customer, what is the brand essence? What is the strategy? How do you, what are the things that your consumers will believe on what the brand has grown with? And uh, if it's a, if it's an existing brand. Now, if it's a new brand, that's a different story. But I don't think that those principles change. It's how you execute. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, and, and so yeah, being so so proficient in a brand turnaround, I imagine the first step you must do is to just take stock of channels that a brand is on and, and, and what that looks like at, when you come in, but can you tell me about, you know, for each of the, these brands that you've done one of these marketing turnarounds for, what are the first steps you take? What's the first thing that you're looking for? Yeah, I, I think there's, that's what I, you know, what I meant when I was saying that the principles are the same mm-hmm. is that I, I think in my life, marketing life, it's worked out, meaning the first thing is understand your brand. So where are where's your brand today? And what does the brand mean to your who's your core customer? Right. And then what does this brand mean to those customers? What do they like about you as a brand? And what they what are their pain points? Um, but more importantly, what do they like? Because that's how you build brand love. Mm. And brand love in marketing terms means what are the strengths of your brand that you can leverage on. And in my experience, I would say in in the I mean in the last four or five brands that I work with, the issue has been the same. It's like when you lose track of who you are, and I think it applies as a person, right? When you lose track of who you are, then you lose track of how to build on that. And so in my experience, the key is to go back and understand who's your core customer, what are the strengths of your brand, and how can you leverage those in a unique, differentiated manner 
towards your competitors. Mm. But you know, but the thing is not to be what your competitor is, is what do your customers expect from you so that you deliver on that? Because you probably had it, like in our case right now, for 72 years. I mean, there's a lot of our love there. And what we've been doing is understanding why, why the ones that love us, love us still, and mm-hmm. why those that loved us left us, mm. if you see what I mean. Yeah. And so it's part of like going back to your basics and leveraging who you are. And I mean, I will tell you, it's been, I've been only in churches for seven months. Mm. It feels longer only because it's, we've done so much. Mm. And it's been so much fun to just uh, unveil and discover all the strengths that this brand has to really push it forward. And I'm telling you, we're moving fast. Yeah. Um, and we're doing a lot of things that are relevant to our core customers, but relevant to the consumers today. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that first uh, impression of churches. Um, you 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 come over to this brand. You you follow your former colleague Joe Geith over to churches, um, and that he is now the CEO. So I'm sure you you're excited about this opportunity. But first impressions. What do you, what do you think when you collect all that data that you were just um, explaining? What did you sort of understand about the church's brand? Well, this is the first thing. Well, of course, I know Joe from our past lives because we've done it you know, before, mm-hmm. um, with my calisters. But, um, the first thing is clearly it's a, it's a, it's a brand that has like a 72, 72 years plus. And then you see that there's core customers or customers that love it, but there are pain points. So, so our first step was, which I've done before as well, is understanding who's our customer, mm-hmm. who are they, but not, not like, age and demographics only, which is always, you know, obviously important to do, but more is like, what's in their hearts? What, what do they want? Um, in the case of churches, I mean, this is a brand that has been, you know, in the U S in the South forever and clearly a very diverse multi multicultural brand with a lot of passion. And so what we are uncovering is what are the things that make them tick? Why do they love us? And we've uncovered a lot of really, really strong things about this brand that maybe the brand didn't really brag about. Mm. And it is the opportunity to do so because they love us, but we don't talk about it. Because mm-hmm. we start, I think, as a, in the recent past, in the last few years, the brand probably started to try to chase newer trends and new consumers versus understanding those that left us, why did they leave us? And we're, we're, and we're getting a lot of new people coming in. So how do we keep them? Mm-hmm. You know, and what we've discovered is like, I mean, they love our products, our recipes, our offering. Our, we have a very, very strong legacy. And then it's talking about that legacy, make it legendary. Mm. You know, we have a scrumptious product. It's, you know, juicy to the bone. We've done a lot of research on the pipeline innovation, and then what we have in place right now. What about the stores and, you know, just improving, you know, the guest experience all around is very important for us. So we're working on all fronts. I mean, this is not only a marketing effort, it's really a cross-functional effort all around. I I think such an interesting example with churches 
And I'm wondering if you could speak to a little bit, I mean, even just that Texas, right? Like Texas chicken. Uh, you know, when I first came into the restaurant industry, it was church's chicken, you know, and of course, Texas now is more officially a part of the name. And then, you know, obviously it's, that goes back historically because the international business, as I understand. Um, but, but just something as little as that, I imagine for yourself as a marketer, that must be, I mean, that's a, a, a huge sort of marketing initiative to do something like put the word Texas back in the name, right? Yes, yes, of course. And, and by the way, I've only been here seven months, so that happened before my time. Uh, but what we've done is I wanted to understand, and we wanted to understand what this, what, what that did that mean for the core customer. And really, it's not, it's not really about Texas flavor. It's more about the founder. The founder was in Texas. And so that's, it's like, it's more about that legacy and the origin versus flavors and things like that. So in our research, we found that Texas, although it was an addition, was more of a, of an opportunity to celebrate the origin of this brand. Uh, not so much like it's from Texas. It's more the origin than flavors and, and so forth. Because for a lot of our core customers here, whenever they, I mean, in the South, is more a brand that they grew up with. It's like part of the, you know, the way they are, the way it grew mm -hmm. with them. So, so yes, it, yeah, you could, you could wonder what happened there. It was a decision of our previous management to talk about Texas, but it's more about the celebrating the, the founder mm -hmm. than necessarily any positioning. I love it. Uh, so talking about that, you know, the naming and having Texas, you know, you mentioned this happened before you joined the church's brand. And I'm wondering from, from your perspective, you come into this brand that there was a marketing plan before you, obviously many years worth of marketing plans before you. How much do you feel like you have to either, you know, embrace what came before you or, or maybe even change what happened before? What's your assessment of the marketing efforts that predated you, predated you and what your treatment of those might be when you come in? Good, good, great question. So first of all, there was, as I understand, there was like, a, uh, there was no CMO for more than a year, like 18 mm -hmm. months. Um, so it really was more about keeping the lights on. And then when Joe uh, joined the company, Joe Guth, he built a new executive team. And I was part of that process. But I will tell you, I mean, the, my whole team, 90% of my team is new. You know, there were just a few resources. And uh, um, we, I did a reorg, scope all the new jobs, hired the people, Angie included. Um, and then all of the marketing staff, really very focused on brand essence and strategy, brand positioning, number two, Many development, all new stage gate. I resource that. I just actually hired the very, um, cause I was running menu for these seven months myself until I was identified the right person to run menu development. But you know, we launched stage gate innovation pipeline. We have almost 18 months of a benchmark, uh, bench, um, ideas for 20, 24 and 2025. So we we're moving really fast and with relevant offerings at the right price, the right value. Anyway, so menu was a big brand positioning with brand essence, then menu. 
And then um, media optimization. Obviously, we hired a new agency of record. Now we have a wonderful agency that understands multicultural. And we've been working with them very closely. And you, you're going to start to see the, out, the outcome of that with very new creative, very contemporary, relevant to our core customers, breakthrough, you know, just pushing the, you know, the envelope right there. Mm -hmm. And then also on digital, I also hired, you know, build a team uh, with a very strong leader on the digital side of things. So new app, new website, new order, ahead, new delivery, dispatch, everything is in the works. It's like, it's like standing on an airport with like six airplanes ready to take off. <laughs> They're ready. We're ready. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you'll see. I mean, we're, obviously some of these things are already in place, but it takes it takes time, right? You don't build a pipeline of new products in overnight. Right. Or create a IT platforms integrated to make them stable to support all of your digital efforts. But it's... Uh, mm -hmm. We're there. Yeah. We're there. Well, it's, it's very cool. And it's, very exciting. It's interesting. I mean, this is a, a pretty comprehensive um, fresh start. I mean, this feels like a pretty clean sweep kind of start over. Um, and I'm wondering about the totally. importance of that. I mean, do you feel like it's important in a turnaround such as you're engaging in to just start at square one to get a, a fresh bill, clean bill, you know, health essentially, and then just start over? Is that the best way to do it? Well, it depends on the state of the brand. I would say I've seen it. I've seen three different scenarios. This one, which is one that I've seen a couple of times before, where the brand really needs a fresh start to like fix all the basics and then go from there. That's Church's case. Uh, but I've also worked with brands that were like midway there. So the efforts may be not so much on the basics, but more on the on the push to the next level. Mm -hmm. I've done that. Um, I would say a couple of brands, including California Pizza Kitchen, that was the case. In IHOP, IHOP and churches have been, in my experience, kind of like the same in the sense, in the sense that, you know, it's going back to the basics, understand the basics, go back to the strengths, and then push for how to build on that understanding the strengths to really build the future. Mm -hmm. I feel very confident our business is doing awesome. Uh, we have, you know, by like 1400 plus restaurants and, you know, almost half, half in the U S and abroad, very successful. And we are, I mean, we're growing like almost double digit unlike any competitor. Yeah. So, so even the little things that we're doing already are paying, are paying, you know, it's, Pay good gains. Yeah. Well, well, tell me about that. What, how do you measure success in marketing? Because obviously you can look at sales, you can look at revenue, and you can look at profit. Um, but when it comes to marketing, what are some KPIs that you set for yourself to really measure how this turnaround is going? <laughs> this is the golden question. My, <laughs> this is the story of my life. Okay? okay. Because because my, it's not there's no one lever, mm -hmm. right, in marketing that you use. And, and actually, a lot of the things that... In, that marketing does goes underneath all of that, you know. So operations look at sales and finance look at profit and EBITDA and all of that. But the marketing mix is a combination of 
product, innovation, promotions, advertising, media. I mean, there's so many levers that there is not one to measure. But obviously, you know, what we look at is, you know, brand awareness, top of mind, market share. Obviously, profit and sales are important for all the functions. But those are the ones that are probably most critical to marketing specifically. And, you know, it's always like, it's like, you know, okay, we do the work and then, you know, where do the KPIs go, you know? So, yeah, well, sales and profit and this and that, market share. But not all the industries, especially in the restaurant business, there's not a lot of information around market share. Right. So you have black box and other uh, organizations that try to measure that. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's it's a combination. It just impacts everything. Right, right. And we have good promotions and good pricing strategy. Very important. Mm-hmm. Good product, innovation, a full calendar. I mean, like, it's, it's called a marketing mix. Mm. It's going to impact everything. But unfortunate for us marketers, there's not one thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. <laughs> unfortunately. But that, you know, but that's, that's, that's my cross to bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I, I wonder it because, of course, you being so, such a specialist at turnarounds, at what point do you know you have turned around? Is there ever a point at which you feel like you've crossed the finish line in a turnaround? Or oh, yes. Going? Okay, so tell me what that looks like. Yes. In my experience, I would say it takes 18 months. Okay. It, it's been my experience mm-hmm. in full brand turnarounds to start to see that you really turn it around. Because, you know, it's like you have to like think through what's wrong. And then, you know, when you come in, there's already a planning place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, supply chain, innovation, timelines, everything. I mean, there's, like, I got here in March. And and just a month after, we had to, you know, lock block four in this case, which was December, mm-hmm. which is what we're going through right now. Now, we have a full year ready ahead to take on. And so there are things that you can do as you in parallel work, but really the work has been really preparing for 2024. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're doing great, but there's more to come. Yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah. It's very exciting. I'm so excited. I can't wait to be today, a year from now. Yeah. And maybe we'll have another conversation. Now that you see, I told you. <laughs> we'll do the follow-up for sure. Well, and, and having gone having gone through a couple of different turnarounds, I mean, what determines whether a turnaround could take longer or shorter? You know, in your experience with other turnarounds you've been a part of. Are there any that have gone faster than you thought and there is a particular reason for that? Are there any that go take longer and there's a particular reason for that? I, I would say, like I said earlier, um, it depends on where the brand is and what state it mm-hmm. is. I mean, if if really the brand is declining big time and you lost your way, that's going to take longer because you have to start from even building the team, which is what I had to do, you know, Um the company was acquired, uh, what was it, like a year and a half ago? So so the company itself had gone through a lot of transition. Yeah. And so that, so there was like a hold until, you know, the new leadership came on board, the new executive team is in place, and now we're bringing the people and, and so forth. So that takes some time. Um, I've had other experiences where the, where the brand has done some of that. So it was more about accelerating the path that was already in place. Mm-hmm. And so not the case with churches, 
but so so the timeline depends. But I think in my experience, the the three or four examples that I can think of that are similar to this one, which is a full grant turnaround, I would say in eighteen months you start to see the the full impact of it mm-hmm. all. We're seeing it now, but it's gonna. I mean, I, you know, once we start with Q one. I mean, we're ready for February 2nd. Mm. So, you know, a month from here, we're going to start to hit the market. Yeah, that's exciting. With, uh, with all of our, our work, yes. Uh, so it's super exciting. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned earlier, um, you know, how things um, in your career, what you've seen is that the channels have changed. That uh, obviously when it comes uh-huh. to marketing, when you started in your marketing career, that was probably the early days of the internet and that was one thing. But of course, these days you're dealing with TikTok and Instagram and such a fractured landscape when it comes to marketing. And I'm just wondering about your uh-huh. approach to that, because when you come into a new opportunity like churches and you're doing your assessment of what the brand means to its customers, how do you then tackle that on such a varied uh, landscape of media platforms and make sure you're telling the right story on the right platform? Right. Great question. And actually, that's a topic that we even discuss with our own franchisees, mm. because for them, the landscape has changed as well. Obviously, not for them, for all of us. And, um, and so it's hard to understand for those that have been longer in the market to understand what's really happening and how to handle it. And uh, definitely the key, in my opinion, is to have a very clear brand positioning that feeds in a consistent manner, all of your platforms, but with the right voice for the right audience. Because, you know, if you're in Instagram or Facebook, those are very different audiences. And then TikTok, which is, you know, we're, we're on it right now and it's very dynamic. Or, you know, like the traditional media buying practices are no longer true. You know, it's like now it's about, you know, how geo-targeting, um, then addressable media. Mm. It's like, it's very different than what it used to be where you were just looking for, you know, GPRs. Mm. And it's not any longer like that. So it's like keeping your audience in mind, but a unique strategy and how do you speak? How do you talk to those audiences, trans, you know, in, in ensuring that you transmit the underlying brand message in a consistent manner? Mm-hmm. So it's more of an art than a science. We have very good partners, both um, in terms of the, you know, our new agency of record that we hired a few months ago when I, after I joined the company. And then we have expanded also, we strengthened our work with the PR, our uh, agency of record and PR in communications. And then, um, you know, just working with our partners, the same on the merchandising side is how do you transfer these messages you know, in store, mm-hmm. on the app, on the website, you know, I, how do we speak about our brand? What is the photography? What are our essence and how do we going to talk about it? So mm-hmm. it's super fascinating. Yeah. Well, and especially, I mean, for, for the chicken category, I mean, you're dealing with a category that in the last several years has been, I mean, it's not only very busy, the category, obviously you have Chick-fil-A and Popeyes that you're up against. But marketing has been a real sort of um, 
one of the big ways in which chicken has stood out the past few years, um, that in these so-called chicken wars, marketing has been one of the primary weapons used to kind of win those wars. Do you, how do you feel like taking stock of the competition? You have to come in with a marketing uh, program for churches. Well, well, this is, this is what I believe. And this is what we're doing. It's like, it's not about understanding. It is about understanding your competitive set. Yes. But I think is is more about understanding what your brand stands for. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do that right, you're going to be replicating some others, other brand, and that may not be relevant for your own brand. And so I think that, you know, that's why the worst, the worst idea is based on the other one versus who you are. If you really stand strong about who you are for your customers and then and then grow from there, I think you got, you're going to have more opportunity to win mm. because that is where your uniqueness comes through. Otherwise, you're going to be someone else's. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm making myself clear, yeah. but, but what I'm trying to say is like, it's like all of us. I mean, it, we all have our own identity. It's what is the brand identity that needs to be strengthened? That's what it's all about, in my opinion. Yeah. I really believe it. it I mean, like, that's been the story of my life. Every time I've lead an effort like this and do it right, I've won. Mm-hmm. Um, I meaning the brand wins. Right, sure. Because you know you cannot, you cannot, you have to promise to your consumers what you can deliver. Right. And so it's the reasons to believe of a promise that has to be ingrained in your own brand, not in someone else's one. Mm-hmm. Now, how you execute your your strategies, your promotions, all of that, of course, it has to be competitive in, in the right way. But your promise has to be owned by your brand and has to have reasons to believe. Yeah. Otherwise, you will never build that loyalty. Right. Yeah. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, thinking about everything that marketing encapsulates, you mentioned that it's a mix, a marketing mix. Um, you know, you touched on a few of those things that Sometimes I think probably a lot of people who are not really involved in either the industry or marketing in particular might not realize how important menu is to marketing and that you would have a touch on menu or when it comes to, um, you know, rebranding stores and, you know, what the what the stores mm-hmm. look like. Um, tell me about some of those things and, and what's the reach of marketing at churches how much do you want to leave your fingerprints on and, and how much really does encapsulate that world, that mix of marketing? Great, great question. And, and actually we're in the midst of it right now. And so, yeah, the marketing mix, obviously it has to do with, you know, pricing, advertising, communication, you know, uh, look and feel and all of that. <clears throat> but, but it needs to, it extends into uh, the look and feel of your restaurants. Mm-hmm. So right this minute, because we just completed all of our brand positioning and we're in the midst of actually producing our advertising for Q1. We are also working now with development in some of the stakeholders to see how we ca- how can we bring some of that look and feel into the restaurants from a graphic perspective. Uh, without, I mean, I think the, the look and feel that's been developed that is now rolling out in new restaurants will not change. But how can you enhance that inside the restaurant to bring that experience? 
And so we're working on it. Mm-hmm. Some more to come. Okay. I don't have anything to show you yet. <laughs> Exciting. That'll be on our on our follow up call. We'll be talking about that hopefully. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think too of um, you know related to what we were talking about with all the channels, TikTok and Instagram. Um, also just taking a step back and recognizing how digital things are in general. And, and I don't just mean, you know, the, the consumer channels, but also the channels that you're using in the restaurant. So as an example, uh-huh. you're talking about the restaurants, you have digital uh, menu boards, which then become a marketing uh-huh. opportunity because of how you, they can be dynamic. Um, and so thinking about that and then also something like a loyalty program and how that's increasingly being uh-huh. used. How do you, how do you work with all of these kind of new bells and whistles, these new toys as it were, and work them into the operations of your marketing strategy? Well, as I was saying, we have like six airplanes ready yeah. to take off. So all of, so one of them is that. Okay. <laughs> so I think we, I, we recognize that we're behind and that was one of, that's the, one of the reasons why I reorganized my, my um, team and hired new resources to really accelerate the digital platform because we were behind our competition. And so we're very aggressively working on all of it. We, I, I mean, I don't, I can't go into details at this point because uh, that's highly confidential, but clearly, uh, oh, we are going to be hitting very soon all cylinder in all yep. cylinders to do that, you know. But but the way it, I mean, the the market is you know is like website up rewards, and then but the key is what are the strategies behind those platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on what your brand uh, stands for and what's going to appeal to your consumers. So we, one of the things that I've done since I uh, joined churches is really built a lot of discipline in, in uh, customer research to understand what do they want from us? What are their expectations? How can we compete more effectively based on what our brand stands for? So it was not only understanding our core customer, but then in the tools that we're using, doing uh, consumer research, whether it's for digital, what do they expect from a rewards platform that is actually relevant for churches? Um, not for others, but for churches. And right. so we've got a lot of insights and we have partnered with uh, very strong uh, organizations to help us develop, you know, the, the IT part of it and, you know, integration, all of, all of the technical requirements behind dispatch, delivery, website, loyalty, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So... Well, all right, Natalia, last question yes. for you. You know, you, you you have had such an impressive resume and been a part of some very exciting brand turnarounds. And as you, as you look at this opportunity at churches that you're still in the very early innings of, um, what what do you hope to what are you what how do you hope to leave your imprint on churches? I guess is how I would ask it. What do you hope to accomplish at the other side of this thing with the church's brand? Yes. Well, that's a great question. So although in these, the first six months I've been focused on the U.S., trying to build a new team, organization, strategies, and everything, what, what I'm now doing with Joe and others in the executive team, but, in, but specifically with Joe, is that um, bring um, the strategic thinking, um, the tools, the best practices into the global uh, footprint. Mm-hmm. So that although every market is different, when you look at international, every market has different, it's like 
U.S. many times, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. But the but the but the best practices are transferable universally. I've done this before as well, and so the focus right now is to help the international organization, you know, bring all of those best practices, um, tools, and strategic thinking. So, so really leading the international organization into the brand strategy, mm-hmm. so that we can accelerate some of that growth with relevant, relevant um, marketing strategic initiatives that could help us accelerate growth. And, you know, while we're open other markets, because part, part of the strategy is more restaurants, remodels, big time in the U.S., and then expansion into new markets globally. So. Sure. Well, it's very exciting. Uh, Natalia Franco, Chief Marketing Officer of Church's Texas Chicken. Good luck to you and uh, look forward to seeing what you're able to accomplish at the brim. Thank you, Sam. A pleasure. My pleasure. That was my interview with Church's Texas Chicken CMO, Natalia Franco. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my six takeaways. My first takeaway is that marketing channels may may change, but the foundation does not. Uh, Natalia has been in the marketing, restaurant marketing space in particular for 20 plus years now, and she's seen a lot of marketing trends come and go, a lot of channels come and go. And as she talked about in this interview, uh, the channels today are more varied than ever before. Of course, you have TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. You have traditional uh, TV and radio, but you also have online, digital, so many places in which you need to get in front of your customers, and you've got to be where your customers are. And while that is all true, and while marketers today have to pursue all of the channels available to them where their customers are spending their time and putting their attention, Natalie talked about the foundations of marketing, and, and that foundation, as she said it, was really to know what your customers want from your brand and know what your brand stands for. If you know the essence of your brand, as Natalia put it, and you really know how your customers want to inter- interact with your brand, that's the foundation. Everything comes is built on top of that and comes after that. So all of the channels you might be thinking about investing in for your marketing, start with the brand essence, what do your customers want, then invest in all of the channels after that. My second takeaway is that when you lose track of who who you are, the whole brand suffers. Uh, Who you are as a brand, that's something that you should always really have a handle on. You don't want to be all things to all people, and you don't want to be this moving target where you're constantly redefining what the brand is all about. Because when you do that, your marketing channels in particular will suffer because the marketing, your marketing is all about what does your customer love about you? Lean into that. That's what your marketing is all about. That Because that's going to communicate to new customers, hey, you should love this brand too. But if you keep changing who the brand is, what the brand is all about, then your marketing won't know what to put in there. What does the customer love about us? We don't know because we keep changing. And if your marketing suffers, then you're not getting new customers. You're not reminding old customers why they should come in. All of it will suffer. So first and foremost, really understand who you are as a brand. And then from there, again, you can work on everything else after that. My third takeaway is that sometimes brands just need a fresh start. Look, if you are in a bad place, if your brand is struggling, if your sales are down, your traffic is down, and you do not know what to do, 
it might be time for you to consider a fresh start. Churches has been in the midst of this turnaround um, really for a few years now. Uh, CEO Joe Guth, as we spoke about in this interview, um, Natalia's boss, he was with Focus Brand, specifically with McAllister's. And uh, over a year ago, he got brought over to the church's brand. Um, He's really kind of in charge of making sure this brand can um, reclaim the glory that it once had. And he brought Natalia in to do that. And Natalia, as she described, it really kind of started from scratch on the marketing team with new hires, new campaigns, new strategies, new uh, menu items, all of the above. Um, She took a look at their marketing mix and said, let's really start from scratch. Sometimes you need that to get to a place where your brand needs to go. It's a tough decision to make, certainly, but really consider whether or not your brand needs a fresh start. My fourth takeaway is that you should expect a brand turnaround to take about 18 months. It's a very specific takeaway. It's a very specific tip from Natalia. I really appreciated it because here's somebody who's done this before. This is really her fourth brand turnaround in the restaurant industry that she's been a part of. And she has seen uh, this uh, time and time again where you put in the effort, you put in the work. When you start your turnaround, all of that work will really start to come to fruition in uh, terms of uh, brand sales, profit margins, and other KPIs after about 18 months. So if that's something that you're looking to do, if this is something you want to uh, invest in, you want to say, okay, let's do this. Let's start from scratch. Let's turn this thing around. That's about how, t- how long it might take you to get to a point where your brand is in the place that you want it to be. Of course, that depends on what success you're looking for, what return you're looking for on that investment in a brand turnaround. But especially if you're a bigger brand, as Natalia put it, expect that to take about 18 months. My fifth takeaway is that brand messages should be consistent across all platforms, but the voice will differ. So churches, as an example, Natalia built the foundation as she talked about. She wanted to know what's the brand essence, what do customers want? They, they put in that work, they built their campaigns, they developed the message for churches, but then it got into all these marketing channels that we talked about, all of the different platforms, all of the different places where customers' attention is going. You have to use the voice of that platform to connect with the customer. That voice is going to be different on TikTok, different on Instagram, different on Facebook, different on TV, different on radio, different in a print advertisement. Uh, But all of those things, again, you have to have that same message. Know who your brand is, know what the message is that you want to communicate, but then change the voice on the channels so that it truly resonates with the customers who are investing their time and attention on that platform. My sixth and final takeaway is that the best brands respond to their customers, not their competitors. Of course, for Church's Chicken, I had to talk about the chicken category and the competition that this brand has with Chick-fil-A, Popeye's, and many other chicken chains that are out there. And Natalia put it really well, which is that you cannot watch what your competitors are doing and respond to what they are doing as, as you know, some sort of me too kind of thing. You really have to um, listen to your customers. What do your customers want? What do they expect? Respond to that. Because in that, you'll truly find innovation. You'll truly build a relationship with your customers. And you'll truly come across as authentic. You don't want to come, come across as just another brand, another brand chasing another trend, um, which is what you could fall into if you're chasing, uh, you're chasing your competitors and responding to them. Listen to the customers first and foremost. Give them what they want. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okis at informa.com. Thanks again and talk to you next week.